Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Friends, welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride. You know, Darren, I was reflecting on uh, the success of God in his uh, uh, working in people's lives, because today we're going to talk about uh, successes or failures in the experience of disciple making. And uh, when you think that that even in Jesus' disciple, he had a betrayer, that, that would be maybe seen as a failure. And uh, someone once told me, just in terms of uh, being a parent, a spiritual parent to someone, uh, they said, well, look at God. Uh, he created Adam and Eve, and they didn't turn out too well at the beginning <laughs> either. So uh, in this podcast, we're going to take some time, some focused attention on our experiences and maybe God's expectation on our life in terms of uh, how we would deem disciple-making under the canopies of success or failures, some principles, some practices. And I'm going to pass it over to you because you're the one who said, hey, let's talk about this. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks, Tim, and welcome, everyone. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, really, the seed the seed for this was a discussion we had in our, in our group here where uh, one of the people in our group just shared as they look back over the past at that point, it was less than a year, less than a year that they'd been, you know, actively trying to live on mission, and everything else that they, they felt like a failure, uh, primarily I think because of evangelistic activity, not seeing anyone come to faith or maybe sharing their faith enough. Uh, but that's a part of the whole disciple making, whole disciple making flow. And so, so I want to discuss success and failure in disciple making, you know, what is actually success? What is failure? How do we measure it? How do we how do we, you know, overcome it if we do do see failure and really how to keep going when sometimes it's invisible? You know, sometimes it's hard to see if progress is being made or not. Yeah, and sometimes, unfortunately, we, we've been conditioned to adopt the measures of success that the uh, local church structure uh, would uh, project over the years. You know, they sort of draw these little lines that you try to get people to cross so obviously, if someone accepted, uh, accepts Jesus, that, that that's a big success. If they get baptized, that's a success. If they become members. Uh, but after that, uh, that doesn't really equate to disciple-making. Those are significant spiritual events, but not so much what we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah. And again, we've I think we've really worked over in the past, Tim, what a disciple is and isn't. You know, we're talking about, you know, disciple-making, someone repenting, believing, following Jesus, becoming a disciple-maker. You know, so so the full progress. We're not talking about getting someone across the line, right. yep. you know, praying a prayer. We're talking about making disciples, and yep. so it's a it's a big even within the, on the individual level, it's a big bite. You know, to right. make a disciple, it's not something that happens you know this weekend. Yeah. So so to our listeners, when you think of the word successes, I want to strip from your minds historically what success has. Uh, being projected by local church structure and organization. We want to go more organic. And uh, I've got a few points to share. Uh, what what do you have to start us off with there, Darren? Yeah, well, for me, a lot of times in a lot of areas with spiritual things, which disciple making is, I, I always look at the issue of trajectory. You know, yeah. what is my direction? And if my personal direction is one of obedience, that I am obeying today what Christ is calling me to, that I'm obedient in my relationships, I'm obedient in my 
whether it's personal evangelism activity or work with individuals. So I'm discipling that in itself, you know, obedience is a measure of success that I'm doing what the spirit is calling me to today. And to me, that's, that's kind of like the, the ground level. If that's happening, there's some success happening for sure. So that's interesting. So actually your foundation for success doesn't start with what we're doing with others, but maybe what we're submitting to in our relationship with God. Because most people, when we think of disciple making, we we think of what are we doing to or with others, but you're actually backing the truck up and say, no, it, it starts foundationally in our relationship with the Lord. And if we can't follow him, how do we expect to lead others to follow him as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, our, our basic practice here is what we call pray and pay attention paying attention to what God is doing those around us and, and then responding to that. And so the leading of the spirit's very clear in that we have some clear direction from scripture called to be disciple makers. The actual ground level day to day comes back to how am I being led by the spirit to engage today? And am I doing that? Yeah. And uh, I, I sort of had suggested, you know, when we try to do disciple making in our own strength and strategy, rather than bathing any relationship, including our own uh, in prayer, uh, when we don't do that, we we forget that, that God is actually the primary mover. Uh, he's the one who's actually drawing people onto himself, not us. And we're sort of, uh, uh, we are used by him in this uh, progression, this transformation, this metamorphosis in people's lives spiritually. But it all starts uh, with a sense of timing and starting mm-hmm. with prayer and being directed by the Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll just build off your your word timing there, Tim, that we are so used to instant results in so much of our world, and disciple-making is not an instant result. Disciple-making is is more organic than that. It's a long-term, even with an individual, much less with trying to, you know, do a disciple-making movement. There is a timing issue that we need to rejig our brains, and multiplication is slow at the start. Yeah. But if the trajectory is correct, multiplication can become quite quite dramatic down the road. Yeah, that's that's how movements would eventually start. I remember uh, an old lady in a wheelchair uh, in, in one of the churches that I pastored, and she was praying for someone for years and years and years. Uh, and after her death, that prayer was answered and that person coming to find Jesus. Uh, so that sort of frames it is that you know, uh, we can't make people to make work projects where we're trying to fix them because they need to be fixed. But this is for the long, long haulers, as it were, realizing that uh, God is using us for a reason and a season at times. And we just have to acknowledge uh, that that he, as I said, is a primary mover and not be in a r- rush because obviously God is patient in terms of drawing people to himself. Hmm. Yeah. And I guess there's a tension there for me where there is an urgency that, you know, eternity does call for some urgency, matters of life and death call for some urgency. And yet we are, are bound, I use that in the positive sense, bound or aligned with the Lord's, the Lord's timing and all of that. And so there's, there's that, you know, again, being content with the Lord's pace. Yeah. And sometimes uh, I know for me, type A personality, uh, for me to catch up with the Lord means I need to actually slow down a little bit. Mm. <laughs> and also w- when we slow down and, and reflect on what God may be doing in someone's life, we actually uh, learn to walk at that person's pace, mm-hmm. uh, which may be slower than historically how we would like to generate spiritual activity or even conversations in their lives. 
Oh yeah. I see that, you know, both sides of the, you know, of, of quote conversion, people coming to faith and also after they've come to faith, growing as disciples, you know, there's, there's a fella and his wife who've been at the top of my prayer list for people who don't know the the Lord yet for years. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a, a major, uh, major wilderness expedition with him several years ago, no, probably eight years ago now. And uh, they moved away. We moved away. They moved to different communities. And then I just kept praying for them for whatever the reason, never had a, never had a sense that I was done praying for them. And wouldn't you know, a few months ago, they moved into our community here yeah, and uh, from completely different directions, everything else they've landed here. Uh, we, you know, we did Thanksgiving with them. We've done some things with them and they're still a long ways. I mean, this guy is pretty yeah. hardcore. <laughs> opposed to anything to do with faith. Uh, but it's, it's, I, I feel progress. I feel personally some success a in the faithfulness and B in the fact the Lord has orchestrated this coming together in a completely different community after all these years. Yeah. I think, um, uh, someone has said sometimes people have to be converted to us before they'll be converted to Jesus, which Mm. really speaks about a relate the whole relational side of this. Uh, and I've challenged people in the past, uh, don't make friends with people for the sake of winning them to Jesus. Mm. Make friends for the sake of being friends. And then the Lord will use your friendship to draw them more naturally because, you know, people have to not only connect with us, but be comfortable with who we are and to make sure that we don't come across as either preaching at them or like a salesperson trying to sell them something. We're simply friends. And as that friendship deepens and it takes time to deepen a friendship then they actually know uh, what makes us tick and then they really understand maybe why uh, we have concern for their their spiritual status or uh, well-being oh yeah well and when it comes to that you know evangelistic process tim the most common thing we've seen in our lives and in, in our relationships is we pray for people we're friends with people and then when a crisis hits their life yeah. we're there as friends yeah exactly That's just, that is so common that that is how it happens. And it's the friendship that, that becomes an avenue for just sharing what we believe. And it's, it's not, it's not pushy. It's not injecting anything unnatural in the situation. It's a natural response to what a person's going through. My next door neighbor, right, right beside me here in our condo, uh, just was in the hospital, flown out of town, uh, got back to town. And in the process of that, got his cell number. And we were texting back and forth over the last few weeks. Yeah. And this is a person who six months ago, fairly standoffish, you know, and, 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 but because we're neighbors and we have a sense of responsibility for our neighbors, uh, you know, that is a natural thing to do. So, you know, that's on the evangelistic level. I think in some ways evangelistic level is easier to measure because for me, it's, it's a little more easy to measure, repent, believe, follow, especially baptism. You know, that, that's a, that's a waypoint in, in the journey for sure that the early church counted and measured. But as we move beyond that, Tim, how do you measure and how do you rate, quote, disciple-making progress and success? Yeah, I think the early church, it was just, it just happened to seem so naturally. I guess people lived out their faith so overtly. Mm. And, in, and in those days, you know, when persecution was around, uh, I mentioned this before about, you know, putting your flag up the pole and and uh, whatever flag you're flying, people uh, know where you are identifying in terms of faith or religion or whatever. But I think in terms of uh, progress, um, even before people maybe really understand what makes us tick or our spiritual life in Christ, uh, three things, you know, just, just understand the difference between 
planting a seed, a gospel seed, and watering another seed. Sometimes we meet someone, they've had some terrible experiences either with Christians or the church, and the last thing they need is someone coming up and introducing themselves as uh, Joe Joe or Judy Christian and uh, trying to say, hey, come out to church. They may not be there. We have to understand where they're coming from. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about in raising kids, you know, train up a child according to their way, which yeah. means all kids are different. And it's the same. And then, and then the other thing I was going to mention is um, one of the practices that I've used in the past, uh, I talk about situations where uh, God or the church or the Bible, Jesus, uh, has intersected with my my walk, my pathway, my life experience in times of crisis. And, uh, you know, people can't refute your own testimony of what mm-hmm. you're seeing. And I, I think the Spirit actually uses uh, our, our faith stories, I call them, to actually prepare the soil in other people's hearts. Oh, yeah. Our, our stories are a big part of it, both, again, both in evangelism and in disciple making, yeah. because the whole modeling issue, the whole how has God worked and how is God working in my life is is such a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, rather than be eager to talk, and, and that's where I have to check myself, sometimes you, you just want to learn how to ask good questions or, what I, or, or let people ask us questions, uh, which shows us where they're at rather than us assuming where they're at. So, so I think allowing people to ask us questions even like, you know, uh, they look at the world around us and they might have some tough ones. You know, how can God allow a, a dictator like Putin to attack Ukraine or why doesn't he just wipe them out? Like you have to be prepared for a lot of questions and you may not have all the answers at that time. Oh, yeah. But but I do find, and I'm sure you found, Tim, that a lot of the questions, if you're in relationship, are not yeah. about hypothetical, theoretical uh-huh theological, but about you and what you believe right. and why you believe and why you do that, which again is much more natural and actually quite a bit easier to answer yep. than some of the, you know, some of the more, um, what we might consider the more common apologetic kind of questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on Facebook, every once in a while, they, they beam up a picture from years ago and uh, a couple of weeks ago, there's a picture of my son and a young fellow uh, who used to rent out our basement and then he moved away. But then we reconnected with him years later, and eventually he uh, accepted the Lord. Now he's moved to the United States. And just that picture, I sent that to his name's Charlie. I sort of, he considers himself part of our family, and now we're brothers in Christ. But we just started reminiscing the journey that the Lord took him on and mm-hmm. me on uh, in keeping in touch with him the last three years. And it's just, you know, he's grown by leaps and bounds, but... Uh, that would be a success story. Uh, others, we've been planting for years and years, and like you said, very little. It's like like, like the soil just hasn't been cultivated yet, mm. and uh, it's easy to get frustrated for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're in evaluation mode right now, Tim, for 12 Church. In fact, as of today, today, right this moment, is the, the end of our first year. We started wow. April 1st. We're recording this on March 31st, and so we're in evaluation mode. And, you know, one of the things that's jumped out at me as I look back over the year, and I couldn't have done this any given week, but over yeah. the year, you can see the progress in people's lives. Yeah. You can see how people have chosen to be engaged on mission, have shaped their lives, have started looking at the world through different lens, and have taken initiative in reaching out to neighbors and family and in becoming more faithful and focused in intercession. There's been clear progress over time, 
but any given day, it's hard to measure that progress. Yeah, that's, you have to sort of go to the 30,000 foot level. And I think that's, that's how God sees this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, he slowly woos people unto himself. And um, uh, he knows what's going on in people's hearts, the decisions, the tough, tough choices that they need to make before uh, the soil is ready, even for us to, to plant other seeds. But I think our life, I think that's why the Lord decided to use us uh, as his plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B, he uses us. And uh, I just love it the way you started about us, just simply being obedient. Does the Lord place someone on my heart? And in obedience, do I respond in an appropriate way? Uh, do, do, do I really long for people to come and find the Lord? Or am I so busy running a church that uh, I, I get a sense of satisfaction from the busyness and superficial numbers rather than from what Jesus would count when he called us to follow him and go and make others who uh, lead others to Jesus so he would be uh, the lead in their life as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and one, one phraseology that's helped me, Tim, is, is, you know, following Jesus and all that means and inviting others to join. Yeah, Just that yeah. phrase, again, I'm, I'm going in this direction. Yeah. So this is who I am and inviting others to join, whether they're believers who have been, quote, converts but not Followers, followers or people who are yet seekers to me it's the same thing so it's very for me anyway that that image helped i'm following jesus i'm inviting others to join and yeah. that helps me a lot in understanding what success is in disciple making yeah that's, that's what paul said first corinthians 11 1 follow me as i follow christ mm. and yeah. i think in ministry too often we've told people we'll just you know follow me but or follow Christ, but we haven't connected the relational link there. Follow me as I follow Christ. So, so uh, th this has been really helpful, very practical. And I would encourage people, if you feel like a failure in this, maybe start looking at your uh, track record a little bit different, maybe from the way that the Lord looks. Uh, are you being obedient? Are you being sensitive to where others are at? Are you walking at their pace? Are you planting and watering responsibly? And uh, it is, only God makes things grow. That's what First Corinthians 3 says. And therefore, you, you have to allow him to do the work that only he can do. Mm, yeah. And, and if I can drop in one maybe more concrete thing in the mix sure. of this, Tim, I think of the old, you know, Sun Life, win, build, equip, multiply. You know, winning the loss, building believers, equipping workers, you know, multiplying leaders and multiplying groups, yeah. multiplying everything. And I think one practical thing we can all do if we feel like we're, we're following a bit, is that equipping level. Make sure that we are getting yeah. equipped, that we are actually trained in some measure in, in, in sharing the gospel. You know, I, I've been reflecting in Acts where at, as the church was persecuted, they were scattered. It says they preached the gospel wherever they went. And I think our in interpretation of that has been skewed by, by the way we do church. We think of, yeah. you know, church, Paul, but preaching. This is basically ordinary people yeah. living their lives saying, hey, there's this guy named Jesus who did some yeah. amazing things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was part of their natural flow of their life. And preaching the good news is just living and speaking the good news that there is a Savior and there's someone that we can follow who makes sense of all of life. And to me, that's the essence of, you know, I think being a disciple and calling others to follow. Yeah, I think one of the greatest lies in believers' minds are thinking, I can't do this. This is for the professional pastor, mm -hmm. the Bible college scholar. But in the book of Acts, you know, people were amazed at these uneducated men who had simply spent time with Jesus. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's a good place to end, uh, yeah. encouraging people <laughs> to spend time with Jesus. And uh, 
just allowing him to lead and to uh, maybe take the pressure off in terms of success, but never, uh, never with a sense that one day Jesus will return and we won't get a chance. Uh, so there's this sort of uh, tension there of, of desiring the things of the heart of God, but doing it in appropriate timing and manner. Yeah. No, I love that, Tim, spending time with Jesus, talking to Jesus about our friends and about us. And I think if you spend time with Jesus, you're truly spending time and opening the Spirit. You will not be static when it's time to move. That's you, right. you you will be motivated. Your, your love for people will grow because you see how much he loves them, and it'll move you to the next step. And I think back to the foundation, you know, yeah. walking with God personally and allowing him to shape your day-to-day life. Yeah, so there you have it. Uh, this has been perhaps more qualitative measurements rather than quantitative. Uh, I think that's where the Lord expresses his spirit through uh, the work that he's doing. And we simply put ourselves at, at his disposal and allowing people to be drawn at their own rate through their own experience, but always being ready to give a word uh, for the hope that is in us. That's what uh, uh, God's word said as well. So, so I think we're going to land the plane there today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Please join us for another episode of Disciple Making, just following Jesus' command to make disciples of make disciples. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.